Welcome to Meet the Activators. My name is Caitlin Lowe and I'm an actor, EMT, and most proudly, a mom of four. Each week you're going to meet an individual who has transformed an idea into action. We will explore exactly how they did it, what challenges they face, and what advice they would offer to you. So if you are looking for some inspiration and motivation to finally take action on your brilliant ideas, you will find it here. Thanks for joining me and let's go meet today's activator. If you are an athlete, a parent of an athlete or know an athlete, then this episode is for you. In episode one of Meet the Activators, I was fortunate enough to sit down with Kira Thurlow. We talked about the power of resilience, how to be an impact player, how good always comes out of bad, and so much more. Kira has spent over 20 years as a coach, and as a former Division I athlete, she offers a unique perspective on how an athlete can realize their full potential. I hope this conversation sparks some action in your day, and thanks for listening. We're here with Kira Thurlow, who is a dear friend and an incredible person, mom, wife, you name it. She is originally from Pennsylvania, went to college at Villanova, where she played lacrosse, had a sales gig in New York City, started her own fashion consulting business, was a contributor to a book on twins, as she is a mom of twin boys. And then started an illustrious coaching career beginning in Wilton, where she had a couple of state championships, uh, four FCAC championships, coach of the year, inducted into the Wilton Hall of Fame, 2013 Woman of Distinction for the YWCA, currently coach at Darien Youth Lacrosse, Greens Farms Academy, and co-founder of Triple Threat Lacrosse. Woo. Wow. <laughs> uh, thanks, girlfriend. Wow, you're taking me down memory lane. So let's head there and uh, want us to start in high school and just understand a little bit where all this started. And can you tell me what sports you played? Were you just, just lacrosse or? I would say my, my sporting or athletic career started um, sort of by happenstance. I moved from New Jersey. I was born in Trenton, New Jersey. And uh, to humble beginnings, my parents didn't even have a car when I was born. And they said that when they brought me home, they didn't even have a bassinet. They opened up a drawer and put me in there with a bunch oh. of blankets. So humble beginnings from uh, New Jersey. And we, when we moved to Philadelphia, we moved to a more upscale area. And I was totally out of my element and I was lost. I didn't fit in with any of the girls. I didn't understand what a lot of things that they understood, um, Mm -hmm. money, travel, you know, so that was just nothing in my life. So I was an outcast right away. And um, the thing that brought me self-confidence and brought me a sense of self was athletics and it really started with um, horseback riding. It sounds odd that I would horseback ride, but there was a ring right down the street. And my parents were very hands-off. They never got me into anything. They never signed me up for anything. But we would go. I would walk by it every day and see. And um, I said, I want to do what they're doing there, whatever that is. I, don't even, I wasn't even like a big animal lover, <laughs> but I just wanted to try it. So I started horseback riding. And there's a woman who um, is probably the most profound woman in my life um, who gave me everything back because I was I was scared to be in that environment where I was. Uh, I was, like I said, lost. I was out of place. I didn't have any friends. I was not doing well in school. I, I actually ended up having to transfer. I was so unhappy. But she brought the strength in me um, through horseback riding because she gave me tough love and she made me realize that um, I needed to sort of believe in my, not sort of, but I needed to believe in myself. And when I believed in myself, there there was no stopping me. And she did it for me just through the the exercises of horseback riding. Uh, like, you know, just trying to go over a jump. I would be refused four or five times. And she said, get off that horse. Let me get on there. And she'd get over in two seconds. And she was sassy and strong and she was probably 60. 
and you know, I'm a, a young kid and she would get me and she would go over two seconds and she said, the difference of you and me is I believe in myself and this horse knows it. You don't believe in yourself. I'm going to make you believe in yourself. And she changed my life. So how old were you then? I, I started horseback riding in second grade, third or fourth grade. It was early. And I did that every day by myself with this woman who was 60 years old. And she was my life. I went every day and she taught me resilience. She taught me discipline. She taught me to believe in myself. And um, she was the, the greatest giver of self-confidence. And I realized that I, I really did love to be around other people. Eventually, I, I changed schools, and I, I loved that atmosphere. It was, I went from a private school to a public school, which made a big difference for me. And um, I started to see these kids after school going to the fields. Like, what are they doing? And, you know, of course, my parents were like, I don't know what this field hockey, lacrosse, whatever this stuff is. I don't know what it is. Um, so I, uh, in ninth grade, I signed up to uh, play lacrosse. And... I love team sports and it was hard to leave horseback riding. I left when I was 16 and I, I cried on the day I left, but it was the right thing to do because I really wanted to, to play team sports. And, um, I picked up uh, field hockey my junior year and I loved lacrosse so much that I wanted to keep going. Wow. And, yeah. So lacrosse was my first team sport and it wasn't until I was in ninth grade that I started it. That's amazing. That was not the start that I expected. No, no. I was a lost little girl for sure. And sports gave me that confidence. And I, I look back now and realize that's why I have the sense of purpose of giving confidence to young girls. I mean, through sports. Lacrosse is just the medium right now that I have, but it's all about finding their, their strength and then believing in themselves and overcoming fears because that's really what I did every day was overcome a fear. And, um, that woman helped me do that. And I wanted to be that, that for other girls. I love what you said about the tough love. Yeah. Because a lot of times now there's so much coddling. There's not a lot of people that will tell it to you straight. You're exactly right. And I think that's, you know, knowing you, that is something that instantly stands out. I mean, you are kind, you're generous, but you're not afraid to hold back in a constructive I way. Thank you for saying that. I agree that um, if my parents or if any parent had seen what I was doing in the ring with this horse and this woman, they would have stopped it because she would allow a horse to run away with me, let's say, and run around in circles. And I would literally be crying on the horse going, please help me stop. Please help me stop. I don't know what I'm doing. And she said, Kira, you got to do it on your own, girlfriend. You got to do it. Let's, let's see you figure out how to stop this horse. And she said, I told you what to do. Now you figure it out. And she was tough and if a parent was watching, they would have stepped in the ring in two seconds and said, what are you doing? My, my daughter is at, you know, at risk. She's going to fall. Or I did fall many times, but my parents never watched. So I'm so grateful that they let me go through that, uh, that experience of this woman um, being so tough on me, but helping me find myself, mm -hmm. which I needed so badly at that time. And um, I thank God for her. And I thank God for my parents being so hands-off. I, mean, I would go to a, a lacrosse game and my parents would say, so good luck in, uh, what is that that you play? So good luck, I forget. So they had no idea what was going on in my life. Zero, you know, they were just happy that I seemed more confident, um, that I had a sense of purpose and that I authentically was passionate about something. They weren't there pushing no. you, forcing you to go. Yeah, they didn't even know what it was. <laughs> no. And the other thing I love is that you started late. You know, and I think a lot of these kids, it's hard now because we're starting in kindergarten. There's a two threes program for everything. And I still think it's possible to change your course in ninth grade, in 10th grade. Absolutely. Uh, 100%. I mean, you can't stop someone that wants something, right? They're mm -hmm. going to eventually get it. It may take them longer, but they're going to get it. And if you are coaching a kid that doesn't authentically want it, and even though they may have the greatest stick skills because they've started early and they, they have a higher IQ because they understand the game they've been playing, but it's not authentically there, they're eventually going to, to slow down. And the kid that really wants it, no matter when they started, is going to catch up because you can't stop that kid. Mm -hmm. And you can tell. You can tell right away. This kid has been maybe overcoached or just overtrained. And 
they've lost that zest. And I, I don't blame parents for putting kids in these programs. I do the same thing with my own kids because it's, it's an activity and it's fun and they're with their friends and it's social, but it doesn't necessarily mean there's a lot of passion there. And right. that's, that's the key. If they have authentic passion for the game or just even authentic passion to compete, they, you can't stop those kids. You can't. Yeah. It doesn't matter what, what they may have, you know, they may not be super fast or they may not be, they may have, you know, their areas that they need to work through, but they're going to get there because they want it. That's the kid that's going to get there. And you see it all the time in, you know, first grade, second grade, third grade on the ice, on the field yep. and these little superstars and everyone's kind of dismissed all these other yep. kids. And then five years later and a little bit of a growth spurt. Yep. The game changes. Yep. It's so true. And it's so mm. nice to see. And it's, it's that it's authentic. I, mm. I, that's the word that always comes back to me. That kid wants it authentically and you can just tell. You can yeah. just tell. So how did you go from starting lacrosse in ninth grade and then to playing at Villanova? I, I loved the competition and I loved to be around other women and competing with them. That brought me joy. Um, and I didn't want it to end. I, I, I really felt like I, it just started. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to keep playing. And I didn't choose Villanova for lacrosse. The lacrosse program had just become D1 the year before. So it was a new program. I chose Villanova because they won the national championship in 1985. And I lived in Philadelphia. And it was the greatest single thing in Philadelphia uh. for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. So <laughs> as soon as uh, they won the national championship, I said, I was a freshman in high school. I said, I want to go there. So that's really what motivated me. And obviously I knew I was going to play a sport. Um, I knew lacrosse was the sport I was going to play. So, and did it live up to that? It was a hard experience. I think um, back then lacrosse or playing a sport in college was not as sexy as now. Um, yeah. <laughs> you may know that there's no, there was no cachet or excitement around a woman playing a sport. It was kind of like, oh, why do you get, are you on a scholarship? No. Well, why do you do it? You know? So you had to really, truly love it. We had to, um, we actually had to fundraise for everything. <laughs> we had to fundraise for everything we had, every uniform, oh every bus, and fucking <laughs> bare bones. So there was nothing, you know, you're not getting anything out of it unless you truly love to play and compete and um, you love sports. You would never wanted to do what I did. We were selling Valentine's bags and Halloween bags just so we could go on a field. And uh, one of the boys, um, the boys team, they had way more than we did. Way more. They were flying to uh, to Italy for spring break, and we were driving to Virginia Beach um, with a van that we paid for ourselves. So times were, times were tight, tough, but uh, if you. I, it was it was an authentic passion, and I never forgot what sports did for me. It was what kept my confidence up and kept kept me going. It was just I love the feeling of overcoming any obstacles together. I remember we got our um, at Colgate. We had we were given practice grays like a shirt, and and I was like I couldn't believe it. Like we had practice clothes, and you stuck them in a little bag and they washed them for you. And I was like, this is incredible. I went back a few years ago. I mean, they have practice game jerseys that they put on and three pairs of cleats sponsored. I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, high school teams have more than what we probably had in college. Let's be honest. Middle yes. school club teams have more. Let's yes. be honest. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a different experience. The swag these kids get, you're like, we didn't have anything. Oh, nothing. Uh, so that's, I, I enjoyed setting goals for myself. I didn't have any friends, all of my friends at Villanova, they were not athletes. They were you know, kind of the go out every night kind of friends. And yeah. uh, I, it, it took a lot of discipline to stay playing. I, um, it was hard. It was hard to, you know, miss things and yeah. have to stay in. And, but I, I loved it. I just, I absolutely loved it. So speaking of goals, I noticed that you're still in the record books. Oh, I think I know what it is. It's the only thing I was ever good at. It's the only thing I was ever good at. Um, but that's incredible. Oh, thank you. Well, I always say to everyone, oh, 
of course, I'm probably like stroking my own ego at the same time, which I am. I always say to girls <laughs> that ground balls wins games. And um, it does. It does. It's, it's lacrosse is a possession game. And I certainly did not have um, the best stick skills when I got to Villanova. Like I said, I started obviously a little bit later. and But I did have determination and no one was going to stop me from trying any 50-50 ball that I can compete with. I was going to win. I was determined. That was my thing. I always say to girls, find your thing. Like what will get you on the field? Okay. You look around. I don't have the best shot. I don't have the best power shot. I don't have the best inside finish. I don't have, you know, maybe I'm not the, the loudest defender or the best communicator, but I'm going to get every single ball that's on the ground. And I found what I was good at and what got me on the field. And that was it. And I'll never forget, I competed with a guy one year. He and I were both in the competition too. Mm-hmm. The boys team and the girls team were both in competition too. I get the ground ball uh, record. And I think it was 73 or something around that. And we both we both won it for our, um, for our respective teams. And when I was at Wilton, one of the players, my first players, um, she came up to me and she said, hey, coach, I just want to let you know. I was just looking at this. My sister's at Villanova. She's playing. And here is um, – your record. I was like, Oh wow. I can't believe I'm still there. She was, my sister just beat you. <laughs> I was like, Oh, great. There goes that record. Thanks. Uh, but no, yeah. I think you're still, you're like third. Oh, right. Yeah. No, you're, you're there. All right. So Craddy was the woman. I bet you she's above me. Well, they play more games now. I, that's definitely it. I'm, I'm proud to have contributed to something there. Um, and I guess I'm the most proud to have contributed to, um, I went after Villanova for title nine. And we ended up, and it ended up my senior year writing a letter to the athletic director. Every single day, I dropped off the same letter to the to the athletic director. My my coach said, "When you're a captain, you can take this on." And because I always thought it was so unfair, why are mm-hmm. the men getting this, the girls getting this? Why are we fundraising? They're not. And um, she said, "When you're a captain, you can deal with it." So I went literally every day and dropped off a letter, and it was never. You know, no one ever responded, obviously. And I published the letter in the Villanovan. And a woman about a, about a month ago sent it to me. And I reread it. And I said, I can't believe I, I first of all, my grammar is so bad. I'm embarrassed by my, <laughs> by my grammar. Uh, but the gist of it was it explained all the different um, injustices for the girls team versus the boys team. And they did end up listening, obviously, after that was published. Um, wow. And they made our our program whole after that. So I left. I mean, I was a senior. So by the time – so the next year, they got thousands of dollars. They got enough money for you know full-time coaches, for travel. You didn't have to – there was no more fundraising. So to me, that is my – in my – life when I look back at Villanova, that's my greatest legacy that that probably no one knows that I did, but it's not about showing people that I did that. It's just something that meant so much to me. It just felt so unfair. And um, being a crusader for women is a big part of what keeps me ticking. That's incredible. I don't know a lot of people that do, you know, those daily habits that we talk about. I mean, talk about a daily habit. Yes. And uh, you know what? There's so many women in my life that have empowered me to be strong and be tough and stand up for myself and stand up for other women that I was inspired. My coach at the time was the one that said, why don't you do something about it? And Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, why don't I? (laughs) So, you know, it's like, it was a pretty simple question. You're complaining, but why don't you do something about it? And it was that simple. And that woman empowered me, my coach empowered me to do something about it. And again, that's what drives me to continue to coach um, almost 20 years later is in empowering girls, empowering them to give everything they have and fight for, for what they believe in, fight for others and overcome fears and give them courage and be brave and all of those things that coaches did for me. And it's, it's equally impressive when you take something on that you know you won't benefit from. Right. Right. And I think a lot of times in this day and age, we look at, well, how will I benefit? What can this do for me? If it's not going to affect me, I'm not going to take it on. That's a really a really good point. Uh, and I think that women need to continue to help the next generation. And that is a, a mantra that I have with every single girl I coach. I will ask them over and over again, please give back to the next generation. Mm-hmm. If you write me a thank you card and say, you know, you've meant a lot to me as a coach, I will say to them, the only thing I ask from you is to come back and give back. 
you owe the next generation, your wisdom, your experience, and peer connections is so strong. It means so much to girls. I can say it over and over again, but they're looking at me like, oh, yeah, you're old. I want to <laughs> hear from the girl that's in college right now. I, I'm a freshman. I want to hear it from a senior. And it means so much. So the most important thing that I ask to show gratitude to me and to show gratitude for the privilege to play in, in these times is to give back to the next generation. Um, and it's just something that I'm like a fighter and I, I, mm. I fight for other women. And um, I remember I got into coaching, which you probably don't know this because I don't think any research is going to be <laughs> telling you this intimate aspect of my life. But um, I coaching, I didn't plan on coaching. I never thought about coaching. I was working at NBC at the time as a salesperson, and it took me a long time to get that job. I worked so hard to get that job. And um, I was really struggling with infertility at the time. Like, mm. I, it was just over and over again. It wasn't working, and I really wanted a family. And I went to NBC and said, NBC was owned by GE at the time. And I said, I want a job share. And they said, oh, next year you can have a job share. I said, I really need a job share because the what I needed to be going through with all the fertility treatments, it was running me ragged. And I had a job that I was out to one in the morning, you know, entertaining and sales. Mm -hmm. And I begged them and they said, they kept saying, pushing it off and pushing it off. And it got to the point where I just had to flat out resign, which I didn't want to do because I had a great job that I worked really hard to have. And on my way out, <laughs> I said, I made it clear to every single HR rep and every single salesperson and every single manager. And I put it in my resignation letter that I would still be here if you gave me a job share and women deserve job shares. And literally after I left, GE changed its entire policy. All women had job, job shares. My planner had a job share. My sales assistant had a job. Every single woman oh. that wanted a job share could get one. And I to this day, um, turned out to be the greatest thing that ever happened that I had to leave because I found coaching, but, um, there's always good that comes out of bad, which is mm -hmm. my mantra in life. But again, I'm not going to leave and, and let that injustice go by. I'm going to look at the, the, the women ahead of me and say, what, they're going to have to keep opting out if something like this happens. Uh, right. you know, if they want to start a family and they want to balance and have a balanced life, you have to give them that opportunity. So anyway, coaching came to me and that odd way because a former teammate of mine called me up and said, I know you're going through a hard time with uh, trying to plan a family. Would you, um, would you come to Wilton and coach? And I was like, no way. <laughs> she said, come on. I said, so hang out with a bunch of 16 year olds. I'm not interested. And she said, just come to one practice, please just come to one practice. And I was like, it took a long time for me to actually go to that practice, mm -hmm. but that was it. I never, I never, I never went. I always figured I would go back eventually after I was done with my treatments and everything. And I never did because I fell in love with coaching. So right? wow. good came out of bad. Absolutely. Just to backtrack a little bit. So with the Villanova lacrosse and the inequalities with the men's versus the women, and then here with, you know, the NBC job share, clearly other women were thinking the same thing and seeing the inequalities and frustrated with how things were set up. So what, what is it about you that you can stand up and say something? Is it that I, I'm just trying to really right. decipher, like, because it's what, obvious, but what right. is that it's little? Obvious. I think I'm, I'm a, I'm a fighter at, at, at heart because I, I became sort of a survivor in some, some times of my life. And it made me really like to fight through adversity, I guess is really what it comes down to. And, um, I, I'm less afraid to stick up for other women than I was for myself, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I will go after anyone for someone else. And if it's about me, I'll be like, I, I, I could just walk away. It's not, a, but when it comes to other women, it's like, you better just back off because I'm going to go after you. I had that sense of responsibility because a woman and other women in my life had been there for me and got me through hard times and made me believe in myself. So I, I felt this overwhelming responsibility to give mm -hmm. back. It really came back to sort of survivor fighter and overwhelming responsibility to, to give back to what someone gave to me. And that's what I ask for other girls. You do the same now. Okay. I did this for you. You do it now and you fight for that next girl. Right. And I, the other thing about you is you're very present in the moment when, when you're talking with someone, when I'm talking with you, I feel like 
you're focused on me, you hear what I'm saying. And I think part of this is you're not going to let another day go by where this continues to happen because you are very present in the moment and you appreciate time. And, you know, if this keeps continuing, these lives are never going to change. So I, I think that's another part of you that, um, thank you. There's a, you can take a personality test. I'm sure you've taken one before. And uh, the, the word that came up when I took one was called, it was the number one word was activator. And it's someone oh that just takes action God. right away. Right. So it's just in your person. And, and I'm so not analytical. Mm-hmm. And so I make a lot of mistakes because I jump to make the phone call to connect or I, I have an idea and I immediately pick up the phone and try to activate on that idea. Mm-hmm. And I do try to surround myself with people who are more analytical than I am and that will, you know, really take their time because I'm impulsive. Mm-hmm. And, but that is part of it. I just, okay, I'm ready to throw right away or I'm ready yeah. to go after. But okay. I didn't really think that through. <laughs> this, <laughs> I probably should have thought this through a little bit more. Uh, so I try to always, you know, I, I, you know, the, the saying, you know, hire someone smarter than you kind of thing. I always try mm-hmm. to surround myself with some people that are smarter than me that can help me through that, that aspect. Say, hey, girlfriend, why do you think about this side? <laughs> like, oh, good idea. <laughs> but the uh, taking action is what a lot of women, they're usually the opposite, right? They're usually, I'm going to overanalyze this and it's going to, you know, it's I'm going to marinate too long where I'm the opposite. So I'm, I just want to go for it right away, whatever it is. So if something's bothering me right away on the field with a player, I, I just pull them to the side and say, hey, girlfriend, this isn't working for me right now. And it's not working for you either. So what are we going to do about it? And it's like, oh, okay. So it's not going to be, there's never a sense of playing games or lack of communication. Mm-hmm. You know exactly where you stand at all times on the field. And I think that goes so far for young, for girls, for, Mm -hmm. for anyone, really. I wish uh, boys too, but just be a hundred percent honest right then it goes communication and coaching is, is, you know, the easiest thing, but it's not done enough. And and Mm -hmm. the one-on-ones aren't done enough. There's so many opportunities during a practice or a game to just pull someone aside for two seconds and say, Hey, I'm just checking in. What's going on? Tell me the truth. What's going on right now? This doesn't, this isn't you or, um, you know, little tactics of just checking in and letting them know that, of course, you care about the team, but individually, I know mm-hmm. you so well that your idiosyncrasy right now is is telling me something. Um, all right. So getting to coaching, what was that the first couple weeks like on the field, on the side of the field? Um, well, like I said, it, for... <laughs> Funny enough, I was so young at the time. I mean, I was probably 30 or 31. And uh, I was actually running with them, in the shuttles with them. I I think about that now. And I'm like, was I really doing that? (laughs) Uh, But I realized very quickly that it's uh, about, you know, connecting with them. And if you can talk to someone, you can connect with them. If you can ask them questions, you're connecting with them. If you can compliment them, which goes a long way for girls and for all all athletes, and you can give them constructive criticism, you connect with them. They, they know you, if, if you care about people, you can be a great coach. That's really mm-hmm. what it comes down to because they want to be cared for, right? Yep. So it was, uh, it was a learning curve as far as, you know, learning how to, um, you know, build practice plans and that kind of thing. But that, that was pretty easy after, after a while I figured it out. Um, it was pretty easy. I mean, you just step on the field. Once you step on the field, similar to once you, you know, put that mic in front of you, it's yeah. just... It, Rules. And it was really just getting myself there. I, I was intimidated by by it because I was like, I've never coached. I don't know what I'm talking about. And once you get there, it's just kind of like, all right, just be yourself and you'll be successful. That's really what it comes down to. You, I couldn't try to be anyone else. I just had to be, you know, yep. I, 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 they, they must have made fun of me so many times. I called everyone girlfriend for so long. Girlfriend, sister, sister, girl. I mean, because there were so <laughs> many Katie's. There was about 50 Katie's. Katie, Caitlin, Katrin. I mean, every single person was a Katie. And I was like, is everyone in Connecticut and Katie? <laughs> so I used to start calling everyone girlfriend. And they're like, what's up, girlfriend? I'm like, oh, am I too slangy? I mean, it's just, just, it's just easier because I, I don't know what your name is. <laughs> but uh, pretty, pretty uh, quickly, I just... I fell in love with girls. I fell in love with that, uh, you know, trying to get them to reach their goals and really empower them, empower them to be, be everything they could be um, on and off the field. I, I really didn't care if we won or lost. I mean, I'm competitive, so I, I wanted to, uh, but there were so many other things that, that mattered to me. 
And I mean, something you said that if you care about people, you know, you, yeah. you're, you'll be a great coach, any sport. I feel like you could be a successful coach and just to, <laughs> you know, like, because it's about connecting with the people and, and motivating them. And um, a lot of times they know what to do. Absolutely. Do you watch, have you seen the Ted Lasso? No. Okay. You have to watch it on Netflix. Okay. It's so good. And this is a coach that, you know, long story short is he's a football coach, an American football coach, and he takes a, a soccer in, in Europe, uh, which is soccer. Oh, I heard about football. that. He, it is the best show. And I love this guy so much. And the reason I love him is because he cares so much about his players mm -hmm. and they will run through a wall for him. And he knows nothing about soccer, uh, you know, about uh, European soccer. He mm -hmm. knows nothing, but he knows them. He gets to know every single one of them and he cares about them. And he says something every day, which I love and I want to emulate. He says to every person, I appreciate you. I mean, if you feel appreciated as a player, you're yes. going to run through a wall for your coach. You're going to do anything for the coach. Mm -hmm. And my players don't feel appreciated that day. I've done something wrong. And appreciated might be to pull them aside and hold them accountable. Right. Right. It might, it might say, I appreciate how hard you work, but let's work smarter. And this is what I, I we've been asked, you know, we, we've been working on. I usually have this sort of formula where it's like two to one or three to four. I'm going to go, if I'm going to pull you aside, Caitlin, I'm gonna go, Caitlin, here's three compliments I'm going to give you, but I'm not going to say that to you. I'm just going to have three compliments ready. And then I'm going to, I'm going to end with, no, let's work on this. So Caitlin, I love how coachable you are. I love how, how, how hard you work. And I love how you are a great teammate, but here's something that I'm seeing. Um, you know, you work to, you, you're an individual out there. You're so good. Why don't you empower the next player next to you? What can mm -hmm. you do every day to make that teammate better? Because that girl's struggling. So what are you going to do? So that, that's kind of my, 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 my philosophy is to show how much I appreciate you and then ask something from you. And Ted Lasso is like my hero. And a, a lot of kids, um, they don't just kind of into the coddling criticism you know, sometimes my kids will come, oh, coach was so hard on me. Coach was, blah, blah. and I said, that's a good thing. The yeah. last thing that you want is to hear crickets from your coach. Absolutely. If, if your coach is on you, they know you can do better and then they know you can step it up. So take that as a good sign and be it's thankful for that. I agree. I agree. I mean, stylistically, the way you say it matters. Um, but let's say you, in the middle of an emotional moment, which we've all done as coaches, you're saying, what, what are you doing? You know, like they, let's say they do a play wrong. What? That's not the play. You know, you scream it out and they come off the field and they're feeling like embarrassed or whatever. You just pull them aside and say, you know, like I said, in the heat of moment, I, I make mistakes too. So mm -hmm. you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to yell at you or point you out in that respect, but listen, I'm trying to hold you accountable and you have to hold yourself accountable. So I do think that it's important for coaches to continually communicate and tell them individual feedback. Mm -hmm. if, if your kid comes home and doesn't have any, so you'll say, so what do you need to work on? I don't know. Really? You don't know? Then then your coach isn't doing their job. Yep. If, if they haven't told you what you need to work on or what does your coach see that you're doing that is beneficial to the team or, you know, a good part of your game? I don't know. Really? Well, that's not good enough. That's, mm -hmm. that's their job. And, Something I do with any age kid that I coach is I do a, an individual conference because I think it's so vital for a player to know their strengths and to know what I call their area of opportunities. And I put it on this little white index card and it's so old fashioned, but I don't care. And I've done it for, for 20 years and I sit down with them. They get 10 or 15 minutes. If they need longer, they can, but we schedule it before and after practice. So it takes like three or four weeks to get through every girl. And I sit down and I tell them all of the things that are amazing about them. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that 99% of the time they cannot believe those compliments. No one really? has ever told them all of these things they, they, they will look at me and dumbfounded. Really? I've had girls that say, I'll say, you realize that you are, you know, A, B, and C, or you can play in college. You could, what me? What? The, it is, it's the, the disconnect. And I realized there's a, there's a major disconnect mm -hmm. when 
I sit down with them and talk to them for what their perception of, of what the reality is. Um, and it could be the other way too. I, you know, go the other way and say, Hey, listen, you know, you know, a long way to go girlfriend. Uh, they always really appreciate the area of what I call areas of opportunity. I mean, what, what can you work on? These are the things that the best players in the world have something to work on. Um, and it could just be using your voice. You could be the best player on, on the field. How, how do you use your voice? How do you inspire others? You know, things like that. But I take that time and that's probably the most bonding time that I have with any player is that white index card <laughs> that I hand to them. And uh, I'll have players that'll say, I, I saw that index card you gave me. Wow. I'll, I'll pull it out, read it, 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 you know, when I'm, you know, need some inspiration or kind of need a push to, because I lay it out very honestly with them. And I, I want I want someone to do that for me too every day, right? Hey, what did you do well? What did you what do you need to work on? It's you know, it's tough love, but it's um it gets them. They always work harder for me after that after that conference. Always. So you had this incredibly successful career with Wilton. What was the transition? Um, well really from, uh, from leaving Wilton and, yeah. and I at the time, um, so I coached through two pre- two pregnancies, and one was with twins on a chair with an IV. So I was on bed Stop. rest when I coached. Yes, it was my my to this day, uh, Doctor Viscarella did not know that I was coaching because I was on strict bed rest, and I couldn't let these girls down. And I, so I would bring, I would drive to practice. It was the only day time I got up. I drive to practice. The girls would have a chair in the middle of the field for me, and I was on an IV. So I had to walk with holding an IV <laughs> because I was on medicine not to go into labor with the twins. Um, oh my God. And because I went into preterm labor at 17 weeks. So they, from then on, they were like, you're not moving until you have these babies. And I was like, wow. yeah, it's a little, it's a little lacrosse season. Uh, so I, I coached um, that year uh, from a chair. That was a, a tough year, but I realized that for three, I had three kids now young, you know, under whatever, four or five. And I think I was ready to kind of coach in my own town. Um, The Mm -hmm. best thing that ever happened to me was that I coached out of my town and learned to learned sort of Mm -hmm. the tricks of the trade of setting boundaries and went through, I was like a green coach at that time and gained some experience of coaching and which helped me then coach within your own town. I mean, Mm. coaching within your own town that you live in is extremely challenging, obviously. Um, Yes. Running into all the families all the time. And, um, you know, you could want to hide sometimes and just fly under the radar, but you have to keep going and doing what you do because your, your compass is the girls. So I started coaching and my first, um, gig was for the U14 team, uh, in Darien. So I went from coaching high school girls to coaching eighth graders. And I wanted to learn sort of how to coach youth. It's a different mindset and they have a way different set of, um, insecurities. Uh. (laughs) It's a, it's, um, they, I felt like needed, needed even more off, off field coaching than even on the field. So it was a different experience, you know, it was less about the X's and O's and strategy of, you know, how how are we going to get to the SEX and that kind of thing. And more about, okay, I have this group of girls. How am I going to get them to not be Lord of the Flies? Because that's, they would come on the field and it felt like Lord of the Flies. I was like, whoa, you girls are, you girls are mean to each other. So I, I really quickly had to become, learn a new uh, skill set of coaching girls that were, were primed to compete against each other. And for, for the right reasons. I mean, I understand it's very competitive lacrosse in this area and there's only a few spots every year. So everyone's gunning for them. I get it. I understand where it comes from, but it's just not healthy. So mm-hmm. I had to figure out tricks of the trade. I had to figure out how to coach and, um, coaching, like quote, the, the, the mean girl was one of something that I had to really learn how to do. And I had to learn how to empower her to want to be kind and nice and uplifting to the quietest girl or the girl that needed it the most. And, uh, that I had to learn some tricks around that, bringing them together. So I start, that's when I started to do three off field team bondings a year. And one, the first one is always the same. I, I do this game that my high school, my college coach used to do on the bus where you put on headphones really loud, like your headphones that you have, you put your headphones on and you, we play a, a random song and they have to sing it. 
And <laughs> right, so they sound so bad. And, and so what does that do? It makes them vulnerable. So even, you know, the, the top dog is now vulnerable in front of her teammates. So it's putting, it's like one day that I could kind of, okay, now we're getting all on the same, same level again, right? The next uh, is the newlywed game. So we break them up to attack mini defense and we have each group try to get to really know each other and win getting to know each other as a unit, right? So that's, uh, they learn so much about each other and I learned so much about them that day because they have to tell you funny things, insecurities, fears. I mean, fear of French fries. What? Like, that, that's a fear. So like little silly things that would really, um, kind of delayer all of these guards that they had up. And uh, the third, which is something that my high school coach did for me was um, everyone has an envelope and they have to just write down one adjective about that player. And so you put all of the, so if there's 23 girls, you have 22 compliments. It's, it has to be something related to, you know, as a teammate. And then every girl goes around and reads like their top three or, but you sit there and you open up 23 compliments from your teammates and that is the greatest day because i still have that envelope and you know no, nothing feels better than to uh, realize that your that your teammates appreciate you so we go through that cycle and that that really helps with success i mean they've they're they're successful um in the end regardless if they've won or lost which the only time we ever lost was against your your daughter's team <laughs> <laughs> but uh thanks a lot um but the um, winning just is like a symptom of if you put all of these things. It's just what it just kind of that's what it yields. But that's not the goal. If winning is my goal, then I have a. I really, honestly, don't have a good season if winning is my goal. Yeah, and I love the piece about the vulnerability because as we see, as we get older, and you know, I see it with moms, and you know, we've all got this facade, and you think you know, oh, this person's life is so great. You did that. And then all of a sudden you hear something horrible they're going through or dealing with, or like these girls, you, you know, something maybe in their home life or, you know, and then you, that's when you connect. Absolutely. Everyone gets put on the same level and it's, that is so powerful. And I see it now with like people that, you know, I'm looking to for, um, you know, you, those vulnerabilities are what draw you in. Of course. I, I one of the, I love people that are self-deprecating because they immediately, you, you put your guard down around someone that like, that immediately says to you, you know, well, this is something I did today. I'm such a dope or what, you know, and, and they, they make themselves more likable. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, you're real, you know, yes. and that's, what, that's what uh, girl that the t- I, I need for my teams. I need everyone to realize you're going through, I'll take the, the what is perceived at the, as the best player. And I'll, I'll ask her, Hey, would you mind at the end of practice talking about something that you've overcome? Because everyone here just sees you as, yeah. you know, on, on a platform or on a you know pedestal. I know you and I've talked about what you're going through right now and something that you overcome. Would you, would you just talk, bring that up today? Cause it, it, it's going to go so far for these girls. It's like, really? Okay. And it, I, I just see a collective sigh of relief. Like their shoulders are like, Oh, <sighs> mm-hmm. Wow. She, she is, you know, human. Uh, so exactly. It's so, it's so important to uh, continue to do that and show your failures. I, I, I point out a failure and you know, how they, they recovered from the failure more than any success in, in, mm-hmm. in a practice, because it's so important. That's, we're going to fail more than we're going to succeed. Right. Of course, because we're trying a million different things. Things aren't going to work out. So being comfortable with failures is definitely something I try to instill and not only celebrating it, like, okay, look, we tried this. It didn't work, but we're all okay right now. Aren't we? We're right. all right. It's, it's all good. So looking at now, everything that's on your plate, you have three active boys, you have Darian lacrosse greens farm. And then what I really want to talk about is triple threat, just logistically. How do you manage all of that? <laughs> um, I, you know, I just don't overthink it. I just get up every day and do something. You know, it's similar to like every woman out there that has so many, so many things on her plate. If you overthink it, then it just gets in the way. So mm-hmm. I, I have a couple habits that I like to do. I, I always make a list the night before I go to bed and my lists are long. So I do them. I do that all, every single night. And then I get up in the morning and I revise it and I check it off wow. every single 
and and I check, I make a check mark every day, and it's um it just helps keep me less. Uh, my, it keeps my anxiety down because I'll say, oh my god, I have so much on my plate today, but okay, I've checked, I've I've accomplished this. Just little things like that go a long way. Yeah. Um, and look, I'm not, I'm not. I, I know there's so many people that have so many other more important things on <laughs> to be handling, and um, it's a privilege to be able to coach. And I think that's one thing. I I don't. I try not to let it get bigger than it needs to get. Take it kind of day by day and try to realize when I get really anxious or really overwhelmed, something that I do at that moment to calm myself down or whatever is, um, and we've talked about this or you've, you've asked me about what you do to in like, that's actionable. Yeah. I, I have a lot of books that just sit right on my desk and I'll just literally, fl- and they're all inspirational books. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one right here that's called Choosing Civility. And mm-hmm. you may not think that this has anything to do with coaching, but I can, I will literally just open it up to one page and this page is called be inclusive. And it talks about being inclusive. Oh, just that's awesome. This, I love this, that. One of, it, this book. Everyone should read and uh, um, it can help you raise your kids and help you raise. If you're coaching, it's a great coaching book, but that immediately I have like five or six books here. I'll just open it up, skim and I'll read a, a, just a paragraph and it'll, it'll like recenter me. And I'll say, okay, I got this. I can do this. You know, that's a great tip. And I love the, um, the list the night before it's like a brain dump and then you have a plan of action. Exactly. You don't feel so overwhelmed if you, if you know what to expect. Right. Uh, I mean, obviously things come up, but organizes everything for you. Um, I I beg my kids to make lists, but they all want to do it on their phone. They think I'm so antiquated, but the old pen and paper. (laughs) It's old school. school. I mean, I'm so old school. I still write in a a planner. Yeah, I do too. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Oh You're gosh. so much younger. <laughs> but yeah, so triple threat. So triple threat. I mean, how did it start? What was your idea? Why? What was lacking that you so thought was, that this needed to? What was lacking was I was only getting one year with at the U14 level. <clears throat> I was coaching girls for a year and then they were off and they were still in my life because <clears throat> I stayed connected with them, but I didn't feel like I had enough time to really have impact um, on, on and off the field for, for them. And I wanted, and so couple that with also, I started to really, I really wanted, uh, more than just lacrosse. I wanted the aspect of, you know, the mental mindset aspects of sports. I wanted the leadership aspect. I wanted to kind of incorporate all of the characteristics, um, that I felt comprised, uh, like a complete athlete and, I um, met this amazing partner, um, Hallie Griggs, and she's she's everything uh, I'm not, right? So she's she's young and tech savvy, and uh, she can um, she could demonstrate uh, like high high level lacrosse, which at this point, you know, it's like, can you cradle? Uh, but so I I again, you know, hire someone smarter than you. I'm not saying I I, I met her, and I really I had all these ideas, and we sat down and we talked about it. And I said I really want to start a developmental company, not a club team, not not things that are out there right now. But I want to start um, a company that has a component of other things besides lacrosse. It has the leadership component, as the um, as the physical aspect of um, you know a lot of reps of lacrosse. I, I wanted more reps. Uh, like kind of less games, but a lot of reps. And we also wanted to do uh, where we would bring in players from all different towns and all different clubs. We wanted mm-hmm. to make it so we didn't weren't just focused on a certain group of girls. And for the high school group, we wanted to make it ninth through twelfth because at the end of the day, that is when you go to high school, you're competing with ninth through twelfth, right? Mm-hmm. At the club level, it's usually competed on the 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 grad year. So we, that was something else I wanted to do different. So you're going to come to practice. And if you're a ninth grader, you're going to have to learn to take it to net, even when there's an 11th and 12th grader right there. Mm-hmm. And if you're an 11th and 12th grader, you're going to have to learn to empower that ninth grader to take it to net. Cause you're going to need her someday. I promise you. So all of these, all of the, uh, that's something that was really important to me. And, and, and Hallie uh, putting together the age group. Also, when you go to college, 
it's the same thing. You're competing with four grades, right? So get used to it now. Yep. Get used to, to being the, the younger kid, get used to being the older kid and what those responsibilities and challenges are. So, and also get used to playing with someone that you've never played with. So you're going to come on and you're, you might only work with th- these girls in your club. So now you get to work with girls from uh, you know New York or New Jersey or different clubs. And, and how am I going to, uh, you know, how, how are we going to just do body language and communicating on the field even though we just met each other, you know, 10 minutes ago, let's say it's your first clinic together. How are we going to make this work? So, right. you know, cause girls start to have roles when they're playing with the same kids over and over again. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I find that all the time. I'm always trying to debunk their role. Stop being the only the kid that just cuts through. Right. Why are you taking it to goal? That's like one of the biggest things I see is that there's these certain roles that girls, they don't, it's, it's not verbally made, but it's nonverbal. They've realized, okay, this is my role and this is the only role I'm going to have. And I've set myself and I've trapped myself into that role. Right. And that's the key component that we tried to uh, work through is, is expanding the roles mm-hmm. and expanding. Um, and it's easier to do when it's maybe not with, um, you know, when and it's in a, and it's in a different platform. So, it's been so successful. We're so happy with it. We're trying to keep it really organic to those, um, those goals that we have, um, and develop them in all different ways. Um, obviously they have their high school coaches, they have their club coaches. We're, we're just a supplement. We're not replacing them. And you have, we're just supplementing, uh, in that respect and helping them through whatever their, their developmental needs are. It's been really rewarding. We bring a lot of women in and to our Academy in the summer. Uh, other coaches and two, obviously this summer we couldn't have coaches come, but the first year, well, we, we decided and over the years of seeing um, just sort of success celebrated, the theme was let's talk about your failures. So every amazing successful coach that came to speak to those girls that year, and there's probably, you know, 10, let's say, I, I said, could you just talk about your failures to these girls? Can you humanize how many failures you've had to have for these girls to, for, to realize how successful you ha- are. And um, it's, I, I could see these girls walking away and just feeling more confident, just listening to that, that, that um, amazingly successful woman talk about all the doors that were shut for her and all this, you know, trials and tribulations that she had to get through to be successful. And, you know, obviously in the day of social media, everything that's, on and they're, that they're seeing is all this success and happiness and joy and everything's great and perfect. And well, it's really not. So let's kind of, let's keep it real. And I, that was, that was our, our, our mantra that summer. You need to make sure that these, that you're vulnerable and show these girls what, um, how hard it is to succeed and show them the most important things that, that you went through were, were really not all these successes, but they were your failures. And that's what made you who you are, all these challenges and lacrosse is really the vehicle for me. It always has been to to connect with these girls. And, and that's my sense of purpose is to have them realize that they're best. Like I want them to be the best of their own, that they can be like their authentic self, whatever it is. It it doesn't matter. I mean, it it could be an amazing lacrosse player or not. I don't care, but whatever your fears are, I'm going to figure it out really fast. And I'm going to, literally bother you every day and say, <laughs> I know you're working on this, but I'm going to get them to run to their fear. Someone did it for me. Right. And what's so great as a mom and, you know, being the age that we are and looking back, they just don't have certain perspectives right now. They're not going to understand that, okay, yeah. in the last three minutes of a tied championship game or and it's, and they've got to go all out, that is going to translate to so many other instances in their life and they're going to, they're going to pull on that. That's why it's so exciting to see. And you get so excited for your kids when they're involved in a program like that, or you see coaches like you pushing them to the limits, you know, and not asking for these things that they they can do these things. Right. They just getting them to believe in themselves is, is the greatest accomplishment and then getting them to give back and help someone else believe in themselves. If that's the cycle I can continue as a coach, then I've done my job in life. That's what I want. That's, that's what keeps me going. And that's what, you know, talking about having, you know, all these things on your plate, it doesn't matter if 
a girl can show up on my door. I, I've had a couple of girls recently uh, text me and say, can I help coach um, the eighth grade team this year? And that's the greatest compliment or gift that I could ever receive. It means yeah. so much to me when girls ask me that. And I, because that's what I said to them when they were in eighth grade, please yeah. come back. So um, it's that cycle. And sports is really, it is a metaphor for life, right? What you're talking about, you know, that yeah. final, you know, that tie game and what are you going to do? And it's so many times in your life, you draw back from those experiences and you want your kids to have those experiences and grow those muscles and the opportunities that sports, we, we both know that sports can give you. It's so important. And hopefully I can help in any way, uh, get girls to be brave. And I, I always say, I don't care what your hundred percent looks like, but I need you to give me your 100%. It's going to look different than everyone else's on the field. Mm-hmm. I know. Not everyone's comes at the same level and the same, but I I just need you to give me your one hundred percent, and it and it looks and feels differently for everyone, right? That's all you can ask and appreciate as a coach. Appreciate that kid, their one hundred percent. They just gave me. It may not translate to you know ten goals or you know the, the most impactful player, but my God, that is the that to me is the biggest win today. Right. Right. Yep. So what's next? Anything? I know, you know, Triple Threat is in its second, third year. What's, third, yep. what's on the horizon? Um, well, as you know, right now we're in a pause for seven, for five weeks. Um, hopefully we'll go back January 19th, keeping our fingers crossed. We really miss the girls. I really, we want to really continue with the Academy in the summer and getting speakers back and finding women that can inspire and keeping the cycles going. But what we're now doing is we're seeing the girls that were at Triple Threat Academy that went through it now. Last year, they came and um, they gave the, we always ask girls to give an address at the end of uh, our day together. And it's an address to talk about anything you want. And normally they talk about overcoming something and it is the most captivating mo- uh, times during of our, of our Academy. But now what I want to continue is having the girls that actually went through the Academy to now come back instead of finding people from, you know, it also in addition to finding women from all over the country to come and coaches, college coaches, wh- whomever is in- inspirational to us. Um, we also want the girls that have now, we've coached to come and do the same thing. And we've asked, we asked last year, um, last summer, they start, we've started doing that. And I always say to a girl, are you, you thinking about your address? Because you should be. And they're like, what me? <laughs> I have to give an address. And they can't believe that they are now the player that girls are looking up to because they still, you know, sometimes view themselves as the young kid out there. And, um, but it's like, no, now, now you're the leader and you're the, the responsibility is on you now. And mm-hmm. you tell us about your experiences. You are the wise player now. And so that's been fun. And that's what we're going to continue to do and grow. Um, and I, obviously the most important thing is trying to get everyone healthy and get this pandemic over with so we can get back to, uh, you know, enjoying and loving and playing the sport, sports and getting kids active. They need it. Just one last question. I just think this is such a, again, your academy is so powerful because of this holistic approach that you take. Is there any way that I think this this is sort of a resource that would be so great to get to so many more young female student athletes? Have you ever thought about in you know everything that we've seen with the pandemic and being able to reach with Zoom or other yeah. mediums? I definitely think there's an opportunity to scale it in that respect to a larger audience. And that's something that um, we definitely are in trying to figure out how to do that. I, I love peer connections. So also just trying to connect kids, obviously virtually and being able to, to grow the reach of these players to others and grow mm-hmm. the experience, grow the game, grow, grow all of these things. And that's sort of the, the, the times, right? That's the way we have to communicate anyway. So this experience, you know, again, my mantra has always been good comes out of bad. And this whole experience has taught us about, or it is teaching me because I'm not very tech savvy, uh, <laughs> about growing my virt- our virtual reach. And we, that is something that uh, for sure, Caitlin's 100%, that's something we need to do. And we want to expand to to groups that don't have the resources. We work closely with the Bronx Lacrosse um, director, Dan Leventhal. 
He's an amazing man. And all I, we want all of these resources. We want to be able to give it to, to players from all over, all different demographic uh, backgrounds. And everyone has different challenges, but we're all women. We're all going through, we've all gone through hard times. We're all trying to help each other out. And sports is, is the vehicle to help us getting there and building confidence and all of these things. So everyone deserves that, right? Yes, for sure. I mean, that's I think it. that's such a perfect note to end on that everyone deserves this. And in this day and age, I think we have the ability to do that with technology and obviously your and Hallie's desire to get that message out. So I can't thank you enough because, you know, the pre most precious thing that we have is time and to be able to do this and talk with you, certainly inspiring for me. And I just thank you so much. Well, I thank you and I appreciate you, girlfriend. Aw, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Meet the Activators. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you prefer and keep turning your brilliant ideas into action. 